Uh, and now I'd like to introduce Rachel to bring the word. All right, good morning. I, um, if I could go through and highlight my message, all of the sentences that were in the worship today, um, I could pretty much just put together all of the songs in, uh, <laughs> in order and, and there's the word of the Lord. So thank you, Maddie, for contending for that this morning. Um, the, the message that I wanna speak on is the territory of the inner world. Um, and I was very aware that when we walked in this morning um, into the building that there was a highly contested <laughs> atmosphere. Um, and there was a lot to be contended for. But as I'm going to be sharing, the inner world and the things that everybody had built in their inner world came forward. And despite the prevailing atmosphere that was a little bit heavy um, and a little bit dreary, and we've all got you know friends who are sick at the moment or something, that despite that, what was in the inner world came out and chose to lay hold of and contest for the atmosphere Right? And it broke through. And the glory of God is in this place. And this is the territory of the inner world, that the inside realities of what we built and what we know Him to, to be have come out and they lay hold of. And they contest for that which has been promised to us and actually cause it to be manifest in the atmosphere. And so that's actually what I wanna speak on um, today. And that is that we are called to take dominion and we are called to take territory and I think that I would start 50% of my messages with that. <laughs> we are called to take dominion and we are called to take territory. This is part of who we are and our inner world is one of the greatest territories that we need to conquer. The greatest governing that we will ever do is the governing of our inner world. It is the most highly contested territory in all of time, in all of history. That is the territory of the human soul. The enemy is after it and the Lord sent His Son for it. It is a highly contested territory and we will either be governed by God and we will produce in that righteousness or we'll be governed by self and we will produce in that death. It's one or the other. So Todd's been talking a lot recently about peace and rest and peace and rest are territories of the inner world. We think that they're territories around us. They are the circumstances and things that happen to us. And if only those things would change, we would have peace. If only I could do this, or if only I could go on this holiday, I would have rest. But in the end, that's not true. In the end, that does not produce in us peace and it does not produce in us rest. I have come home from many a holiday exhausted, <laughs> doing nothing and then increasing in anxiety that I won't get killed and I won't get rest that causes me to be in less rest and less peace than when I started. The only true place of rest and peace is in Him. Peace, if you lose your peace, you have nothing. Nothing is worth losing your peace over. 
And so in any day-to-day situation, you know, you can be going along and, and you realise suddenly, I've lost my peace. You realise I have been agitated for about two hours. And it just sneaks up on you and we allow it to actually start to impact our whole day. And what I've learned to do is I trace it back. Okay, where did I lose my peace? And I trace it back and it's usually an email <laughs> or a text message or a conversation or something that happened that just, just stole my peace. And you know, all it takes is to acknowledge that it's that. Oh, it was the email. Oh, I can deal with that. That's fine. And I get my peace back. But it was something that pulled on that, something that started to take from me and steal from me. And then it just sort of leeches out throughout the day. And you go, you're at the end of the day and you're like, where's my peace gone? What did I allow to steal? What circumstance did I allow to steal from me my inner world? And the moment that you acknowledge it and put your finger on it, you can reverse that. You go back into peace. No, 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 I have peace. I'm going to manage the circumstance or the situation outside of that. I'm going to manage this external reality, but I'm not going to let anything take my peace. And you just step back into it. And very often, all it takes is to acknowledge what took it, challenge it, see it for what it is. I will not be a grasshopper in my own sight, right? I will not allow that, I will not allow that circumstance to change the, my internal world, to change what I see on the inside. I will not allow myself to see myself as a grasshopper. I will look down on you and I will call you for who you are and I will know who I am in and therefore I manage that externally and I keep my peace. Nothing is worth losing your peace over. We had a... Um, a beautiful holiday at the end of 2019 in Bali, which is one of my favourite places because I love the tropics. Um, and you can just sit and enjoy the weather, the food. I love Indonesian food. It's my favourite. Um, so at the end of the holiday, we get home and I start to go to book my next holiday. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I was looking at all of the, you know, the, the online places. I know the... the um, the beautiful hotels in Bali, but I could not land on booking something. And I'd go back a week later and and I would look again and I I couldn't get peace. And I had no idea what that was because I'm usually pretty quick at making decisions. Once I've decided, I just do it. But I couldn't, I could not land on this. And then I just decided to put put it aside Um, for a couple of weeks and then I tried again, I couldn't get peace, I put it aside and then 2020 happened. And I realised that I was being guided by this sense of peace, that if I went to do something that was clearly um, going to be an issue for me, I would lose my peace. And then I'd I'd, I'd put it aside, I'd get my peace back and then I'd try to engage. I mean, this was a holiday. I'm like, what, what? (laughs) What is it about this situation that's going to like cause me to lose my peace? But every time I went to look or book, I would lose my peace. And so the Lord was guiding me through that inner world of peace. I was settled when I wasn't doing it and I I would become really agitated and unsettled. Nothing is worth losing your peace over. There have been times when the guys have booked their tickets for a mission trip, um, booked and paid for, and then they lose their peace. Don't go. 
they didn't go. Um, and that unfolded over years. We didn't know instantly the reason for that. It was over years that that unfolded as to the reasons why they shouldn't have gone on that trip. But it is always worth listening to that voice inside. When you lose your peace, what is it? Because you find that you are no longer in the place of peace. And we're actually called to reside, abide, dwell, and live in a place of peace. And so when you find that you've lost it, you actually need to know that you've stepped outside of the realm of peace and you are no longer on the right pathway. And when you step back into the realm of peace, you're on the right pathway. Don't ignore that. For so long, when when we ignore that over and over and over again, then we actually have to recultivate that place of peace. So listen, listen to that voice that takes um, when you lose your peace. Listen to that. There is nothing worth losing your peace over. I want to look at Colossians 3.15. Let peace, and that word peace there means quietness and rest. Let the peace of Christ rule. And that word rule means govern. So let the quietness and rest, let the peace of Christ govern your hearts. Let the peace of Christ be the governing factor over your hearts. If peace guides, go with that. Jesus was at rest and peace despite the storm. And from that place of his inner world, he then had the power for that to come forth and transform his external world. In Mark 4.39, Jesus is asleep in the boat and Todd's been speaking about this and the windstorm comes up and the disciples wake him up in fear. So they just not, not only do they not have this rest, but they're in, in fear. And we know that there is no peace or rest in them by the words that come out of their mouth, which not only carries fear, but accusation. Teacher, don't you care? We're gonna die. So not only does their lack of peace produce in them fear, which they then express through their mouth, but then it accuses the one who's in rest. I feel like that happens a bit. I'm not in rest, so you shouldn't be in rest. And if you're not in rest, you don't care about me. And we wanna pull people out of their place of rest to come into a place of fear with us so that we can feel that they care about us. But that's not how we look after one another. We look after one another by staying in rest and staying in peace. And then from that place, speaking to the circumstances around stop, be still, be silent, That when he says, be still, or peace, be still, that is actually a word that is to muzzle. It is an involuntary muzzling of the storm. And it comes from a place of power and authority where he says to the storm around the disciples, stop, be still. And this is how we care for one another, not to get into the pit, with somebody, not to get into fear with them, but to stand in what we know and declare the truth of the Lord, which silences the storms around them. 
Had they spoken to the storm, it would not have been silenced because their hearts condemned them in so much as their hearts were in fear. And so what come out of their mouth, even if they said peace be still, would not carry the authority of peace be still. So this is the realm of the heart where if we believe and we speak, we produce the authority needed in order to see that manifest. But where we don't believe what we speak, nothing is produced, only what is in our heart that is the storm. Jesus gets up and from a heart that testifies to the peace residing within him, speaks to the storm, peace be still. And peace comes. See, God knows and the enemy knows what is in a man's heart. And that will overflow and govern him and govern the world around them. See, this is what happened at the flood. The Lord saw the wickedness of man and the wickedness that was in his heart. See, we produce around us what is in our heart. And if there's nothing left, he saw into man's heart and there was nothing there of redemption except in Noah and his bloodline. There was nothing there of any righteousness, any desire to do good. It says there was only evil wholly. And so the only thing that would ever be able to be produced from the hearts of men that were holy and continually evil would be evil. And he knew that and that's why we had the flood. In the end, we conform to the image that is exalted within us. You know, when we sing, your name is highly exalted, your name is highly exalted. You know, there's no... There's no more exalting that the name of Jesus can do in and of itself. It is as high as it can get. So what we're doing is we're exalting His name within our hearts. We're causing His name to be exalted, to be placed above. And when we keep saying that, we place Your name above, we're speaking to our hearts that our heart would conform to the reality that is already that His name is the most exalted, the most highly exalted name that there ever could be. And we keep speaking to our hearts so that our hearts become conformed within, with the image of Him him, that He is highly exalted. When we sing about crown Him with many crowns, He has all the crowns, He has won all the victories. But what we're saying is to our heart that in every circumstance, in every place, in every rulership, in every governing area of our heart, I'm going to crown Him. He is going to be Lord in every single area of my heart of governing. Crown Him with many crowns in every area of my life, in my family, in my job, in my finance. Crown Him with many crowns, allow Him to be Lord. That's what we're saying, so that our heart then conforms to the image that is within us, that He is crowned and He is highly exalted. His name is put above every other name, that anything else that comes up in our heart that has a name sits below the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus will always have lordship and rule. In worship, a number of weeks ago, we were singing about the goodness of God. And he speaks to me and he whispers from behind. And he says to me this, he says, I do because I am. 
and it hit my heart. These are things that, you know, you hear, but when it hits your heart, when it goes somewhere and starts to produce, it goes in a seed and it starts to produce something. He said, I do because I am. Everything He does comes out of who He is. I am. He says, I am. And therefore He produces or manifests the atmosphere and the fruit of who He is. When we say He is good or He does good, He he does good because He's good. He's not behaviour modifying. He's not doing it out of a sense of obligation. He is goodness and therefore around Him, goodness is manifest. When we speak of the names of the Lord, when we speak of, you know, um, God our provider, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, we are speaking of the one in whom all things are and that is His nature. And because of His nature, He has all things. He provides all things. He is a provider. He is the one who provides from us from His nature. The action simply flows from who He is. And I think this is something that as believers or as sons and mature sons, we need to get that the right way around. We don't do in order to earn. We are and therefore we produce from what we are. We are sons and as sons, we are heirs of a kingdom and therefore we look after the kingdom. We take dominion because we are one of His heirs. We are one of the kingdom and therefore we take dominion taking back for the kingdom of heaven and taking dominion and taking territory for what is already ours because of who we are. We don't do out of trying to earn the love of the Lord. We are the loved. And because we are the loved ones, we therefore produce around us a Roman atmosphere of love and we love one another. Because we are loved, we are the loved ones. It's from identity first. He says, I, I do because I am. And my amness produces around me the fruit of that, whatever it is. We fight for freedom, thinking that freedom is an external reality that we can do whatever we want without restriction and this is freedom. But that's not the definition of freedom. There is no freedom outside of Christ, only bondage, bondage to desires, bondage to impulse, bondage to circumstances, bondage to governments. True freedom is to know truth. And we know the truth by continuing in His Word. Let's look at John 8, verses 31 to 32. If you continue in my words, you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Jesus is truth. So if we know Jesus, and that doesn't mean that we've read about Him in a book, To know Him is to be in Him, to dwell in Him, to abide in Him. If we know Jesus, then we know truth. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. When we seek truth outside of Jesus, trying to argue matters on a balance of facts as we see them from a three-dimensional world, we fail to realise 
There is no truth without Jesus. No truth without Him. It doesn't matter how factual our argument is or our circumstance is, there's no truth outside of Jesus Christ who is truth. We don't see all things. We don't know all things. We don't understand the the matters of the heart and the, the perfect balance of justice that is in heaven. It is all contained in Him and outside of Him. There is no truth. We seek peace, thinking that if all our external circumstances calm down without turbulence, without chaos, we have peace. But peace isn't found in external stillness because we can still be tormented in our inner world. It is found in the inner stillness. True peace is not the absence of external chaos, but the ability within external chaos to find steadiness. Despite chaos and then call the chaos into order. Peace cannot be given by the world, nor can it be taken by the world. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace, this is my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. It's his peace, it's not our peace. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And we're back here in the realm of the heart. Let not your hearts, it doesn't say anything about the external reality. It says, my peace I give you, let not your hearts be troubled. Let your inner world be in stillness and quiet and don't be afraid. Peace cannot be understood from this realm of being earthbound. If our love If our concerns are primarily concerned with the cares of this world, you can't find peace. When he calls us to cast our cares upon him, it's because we cannot have the peace of God while we carry our own cares. We have to lay them down, casting all our cares upon him because he cares for us. So knowing that our cares are in good hands, that our circumstance, the circumstances of our life and the circumstances of our families and all the things that we need, they're in good hands. And knowing that they're in good hands, we can now step back, not carrying those cares and be in peace. But you cannot have both. You cannot carry your own cares, your own problems and all of that and then also be in peace because they work against each other. Peace can only be found in a place of knowing Him. This is not a head knowledge, it's a place. And I keep talking about places because it's, it's the position of our heart. We often try to, to find things through, through knowledge and through understandings, but we have to be somewhere and we have to be in Him. There's an in Him reality that we need to um, understand, to know Him the place of knowing, the peace of God surpasses all understanding and that is of the mind. The peace of God bypasses our intellect. So it goes past this circular, I've got to think about it, I've got to understand it, I've got to pull it into this world and but what about that circumstance that didn't look like that? Oh, no, it goes, the peace of God goes past that, straight into our heart 
From that place, it guards our heart. So it looks after our inner world, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. So peace comes in, bypassing the intellect where we muck it up, bypassing that going straight into the heart. And as we allow it to go into the heart, it becomes a guard of our heart. And as our inner world has this guard of peace around it, then the peace can transform our minds. It's the other way around. We don't intellectualize the peace until our heart feels it. We allow the peace to come into our heart and then it transforms our mind. It's that way around. The peace of God goes past our understanding. It guards our heart and then it protects our minds in Christ Jesus. So we're back to the heart. Everything comes from that place. We seek eternal life, youth and beauty, how to live longer or better. And some look like they found the answer in Botox. Somehow, thinking that if we look younger on the outside, then our exterior will change our inner world. Not so. But to think that the external life or that eternal life is an external reality is to miss the essence of life. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ who sent Him. To know Him is to have eternal life. To know Him is to dwell in Him and Him in you. And the internal reality of eternal life then becomes an external reality of life. So He doesn't just leave us there and go, all right, well, you're all good on the inside and you've got life on the inside and full stop. No, no, no. Our inside reality transforms our external reality, the essence of life. In Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And in other translations, it says there will be a quickening of your mortal body. That means this body. And that quickening means it will be, you will be made alive or you'll be given life. There's a reality when we have the eternal life of Christ and we know Him, that something from within us actually comes into the external world and it quickens us. It gives life to our exterior. It gives life to the world around us. We have the very essence of what life is. So if He has rulership of our inner world, If our inner world is submitted and surrendered to Him, not only does the world not have power over us, but the mere fact that we're not subject to it actually means that we rule over it. And this is how we start to transform the world around us by transforming first the world within us. The Word of God causes internal transformation. And I keep going back to that, to know Him, to know Him, to know Him. To, to know Him is to, to 
lay hold of the Word of God over and over and over again until it transforms your inner world. You will never understand the power of the Word of God until you actually dive headfirst into it and keep consuming it. Keep consuming the Word of God. Keep meditating on it. Keep feeding on Him because what we feed on, we start to produce in our lives. The Word of God causes internal transformation. It sustains us. And this is Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. And that word taught is learned. So those who have sat under teaching and then can teach. Those, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who have sat under or learnt, sat under teaching, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear those who are taught. That is the tongue of a disciplined one. The tongue of one who has been taught or submitted themselves to discipline and teaching. When we have submitted ourselves to the rulership, discipline and teaching of the Lord, we can then live from the word that is in us, because he is the word, and his word then sustains us. And then our, his word that sustains us gives us the ability to speak it out and sustain others who are weary. When we sit under the rulership of the Lord, when we speak, things change. When we speak, we actually give substance and sustenance to those around us. Things change in the atmosphere. Things shift in people's lives, but it's the internal word, uh, world first. Todd often says, and we often say here, that you only keep what you have under pressure. <laughs> And we are in a season of increasing pressure. And not only that, the world around us is in such um, a season of being squeezed. Pressure and the increased weight. And when that happens, what's on the inside comes out like a tube of toothpaste. When we're under pressure, what is on the inside comes out because we no longer have the capacity to put on our masks. We no longer have the capacity for behaviour modification. Pressure puts um, the weight on so that what is in the internal world, it comes out. When we're under pressure, we lose peace. If we're under pressure and we swear or we steal or we abdicate or we whine, that's actually what we have. That's what's real and is on the inside of us. If under pressure, that's what comes out, that's what's real. It's in those moments that we can truly take stock <laughs> of what we have built and what is there. The house on the sand, no matter how well it is built on the surface, no matter the years that you've put in to making that house stand well and look good, when the storm comes, that house does not have a chance. The only thing that can stand is that which is built on the rock, that which is built in Him. We actually live in a world where we have such strong structures, such beautiful buildings, 
such great capacities to behaviour mod, built on such flimsy foundations. The enemy for many years has been attacking human beings at their core, dehumanising the unborn baby through the change of language, dehumanising the elderly and the sick through Trojan horse compassion, attacking the core of identity through dispersion, attacking the family unit by turning fathers against sons and sons against fathers, removing autonomy of people and nations, thus dehumanising the individual, leaving them vulnerable to be collateral damage to a greater cause. They turn neighbour against each other through fear and self-righteousness. And this is utterly in contrast to what the Word of God says we should be doing. God gave His own Son that others would be saved, John 3.16. He calls us by name in Isaiah 43.2. He is the father to the fatherless and he sets the lonely in families. Psalm 68, he knits us together in our mother's womb and his thoughts are many towards us in Psalm 139. He leaves the 99 in a secure place to go after the one in Luke 15:4. He turns the hearts of the fathers toward the sons and the sons toward the fathers in Malachi 4. And I could go on and on and on and everything that we are seeing in society is to pull down and pull apart and destroy and dehumanise when the Lord looks at the one and he calls that one beloved. I would have sent my son for you only. I would have sent my son for relationship with you is the heart of the father. And yet our governments and our society are dehumanising, pulling apart the very fabric of who we are and who we've been created to be. And if we keep looking at that, we will be conformed to that. But if we look at who He is, Creator God, the one who made us, we will be conformed into His image. We need to allow the truth of God to bring our hearts into a place of submission because that's where we get His wisdom. Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inner being and you teach me wisdom in the secret place. See, he, he desires that we would have truth and allow truth to come and transform us. And we get truth when we abide in Him. We get truth when we are in the Word. And when we allow that truth to come and transform us, then He can teach us and speak wisdom into our hearts. Recently, I heard one of my favourite um, teachers or prophets speak on the, um, the covenants. And she was talking about how the old covenant mainly set out in the Old Testament, um, was a covenant of the external world. Um, the law on tablets, sacrifice of animals, circumcision of the body, salvation through works. But that the new covenant, the covenant in the New Testament after the resurrection of Christ, that is the covenant of the internal world. Right? His sacrifice once and for all. 
He writes His laws on our heart, the circumcision of the heart, salvation to those who believe Him, and from belief we then act. Romans 10.10, for it is with the heart that one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Believe then act. We keep coming back to that place of the heart, that place of surrender to Him, that place of the inner world, not laws. Salvation is an inner reality to be then outworked so that we actually look like Him, that we are conformed into His image. Wisdom is justified by her children. The children are not wisdom. The children are the fruit of wisdom that show that wisdom exists. It's from the inside out. And so I've been leaning into, over this last few months, 1 John, pretty much in its entirety. But I want to finish with a passage of Scripture from 1 John 3, 18 all the way to 24. Because this, to me, is the journey, the hope, and the goal, all in one passage of Scripture. So verse 18, little children... This is where we start. Little children, immature ones, (laughs) let not the love, sorry, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So let's not just love in word and talk, not just what we say, but that it would be in deed and in truth. In other words, let's do what we say we're going to do. Step one, say what you're going to, say what you say and then do what you say. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before Him. In other words, when we do what we say we're going to do, we convince our hearts that what we say we mean. So we become convinced in our inner world when we actually do what we say we're going to do. And when we continue to not do, not fulfil our word, when we continue to not say, um, sorry, not do what we say we're going to do, our heart condemns us. Our heart doesn't believe us anymore. Sometimes you mean it, sometimes you don't. This is why sarcasm is so damaging. Because we keep saying things we don't mean and our heart doesn't believe us. Or we actually do mean it and then we call it sarcasm because we got called out on it. (laughs) But actually it's our inner world coming out, we're paying someone out, we're saying something nasty, they get offended. Oh, didn't mean it, they're so Australian. Didn't mean it, I was just joking. Either way, your heart will condemn you. If you continue in that saying things you don't mean or not fulfilling your word. So by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure or convince our hearts before Him. And then verse 20, For when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. So this is the mercy of the Lord because there will be times when our heart, when we don't yet believe yet. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm in a season of building belief. I'm in a season of building something of you and my heart is not yet convinced about what I'm saying, but I'm just gonna keep saying it. And the mercy of the Lord is greater than my heart. 
Right? So now I'm in the season, I've come out of Egypt and the Lord is giving me manna. He's, he's supplying my needs. He's good. He's merciful. He's, he, 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 knows, he knows better than my heart and is greater than that. But I want to grow up, right? I want the promised land. I don't want manna for the rest of my life. So, for when our heart condemns us, God's greater than our hearts and He knows everything. This is His mercy. And then 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And so this is, I believe this is the journey of maturity. Right, I'm getting my heart right and there are times that my heart condemns me and, and, and what I say in my heart aren't exactly in line and God's grace is enough for me. But then as I continue to mature and my heart no longer condemns me and I believe what I say, I command the mountain to move. I take land, I'm in the promised land and I'm taking the vineyards and I'm taking the lands that I haven't, I haven't planted. I'm taking those places and I'm, I'm taking over and taking dominion because God's called me to do it. And now I'm a mature son going out into the kingdom and going out to take land for my king. No longer in the place of having to always rely on my king, but going out for him. I'm, I'm coming into a level of maturity. I am, um, for many years, whenever I like gone on, various diets um, in order to manage, you know, what we need to manage. Um, I, would, I would be determined, okay, tomorrow, I'm gonna go on a, a diet, manage my weight, and I'm gonna go on a diet for two weeks. I would wake up in the morning every single time for about 10 years, and I would have lost about two to three kilos straight away because my body believed me. I did it every time I said I would do it, I would do it and straight away my body would conform to the belief in my heart. No joke, it no longer works <laughs> because my, my heart condemns me because <laughs> I don't follow through. Um, I, yeah, it's a bit harder now. <laughs> the busier I got, the less I would see it all the way through and now well, it doesn't work. My heart does condemn me. I gotta get up, it, I haven't lost the weight and then I get discouraged and I don't follow through. <laughs> but it was a good testimony because my body did believe me, my soul did believe me. There were seasons for about 10 years because I would do what I said and my soul and my body understood that and would immediately conform. So. Back to 1 John, <laughs> verse 23. And this is His commandments. So, sorry, going back to 24. So I'll have whatever I ask from Him because I keep His commandments and I do what pleases to Him, 23. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He's commanded us. And whoever keeps His commandment abides in Him and God abides in God and God in him. And then it says this, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit who he has given us. 
So there is a testimony of the Spirit of God within us. And so this is the circular world and reality of transformation. I hear the Word, I let it change me, I let it bypass my intellect which skews it and and adds to it and filters it, I let it go straight into my heart. And from that place, I obey, and in obeying, I'm abiding, and in abiding, I'm transformed, and in being transformed, I then act. And as I act, I believe more. And as I believe more, see, it just keeps going, and you build in the Lord. Every time you do what you say you will do, you build, and you gain confidence before Him. And in that confidence, then the Spirit testifies of who He is in us, and we start to be conformed into the image of Christ by being and doing and being and doing over and over and over again until we are convinced where we conform on the inner parts of us and in conforming to Him in the inner world, we then start to transform our external world. Somehow we think it's a linear process that one day we're just gonna fully believe and then we will act. I'll just completely know Him and I'll have no doubts and I'll just, no, there's a process. I believe this much and I'm gonna, so I'll give you this much, I'll do this much. I believe, help my unbelief and there's the grace. There's the mercy of the Lord who then comes and meets us right there as we continue to grow and mature in Him. And all the while together, we build one another up, championing each other in our faith and in unity and being equipped together until we are fully mature and we look like Christ. And that is the progression of taking the territory of the inner world. That is to lay hold of everything within us that raises itself up against the knowledge of the Lord or the Lordship of the Lord and telling our heart to submit that, to come under the Lordship, to come under the Headship, allow Jesus to rule in our inner world and then act on that. Start declaring, start decreeing, enact what is in our world to the inner world, to the best of our capacity to believe so that we build confidence that what we say we mean and in that circular place, we continue to submit ourselves before the Lord and we grow up. And instead of eating manna, night after night after night after night, we get the wine, right? We get the promised land, we get the lands, we get the vineyards. We get to talk to the mountain, we get to say to the mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea because we do not doubt in our hearts, it moves, it shifts. And we are now part of the kingdom of heaven, the mature sons who take territory. And so I wanna leave that there. And I just wanna pray for the witness of the Holy Spirit to be in our hearts to testify as to who Christ is in us 
and that we would start to have confidence in who we, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that the Spirit of the Lord would start to testify about the reality of that so that we can, when we say that, we actually start to act that out. That we would live a life that looks like we believe that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are the one who leads us into all truth. And Holy Spirit, you testify within us to who Christ is. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I thank you for your leading. I thank you that you guide us with peace I thank you that you transform us in our innerward parts until we are conformed to the image of Jesus. Let's just grab our communion. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you will finish the work that you started in us. (laughs) We thank you, Lord, that it's your peace and not our peace. We thank you it's your love and not ours. We thank you that you carry the weight of the government and the rulership. on your shoulders and we just submit ourselves to you. Jesus, we thank you that you made a way. Lord, we receive your son. Father, we receive your son and everything that he did. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the witness of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, in Jesus' name, we love you and we bless you. Amen. See you all this afternoon or Tuesday night. Have a good day.